Welcome to the Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast. This is episode 114. Last time, Zhuge Liang and his army had stumbled into a land of poison streams and toxic air as they pursued the Nanman king Meng Huo. But fortunately for them, they ran into Meng Huo's older and estranged brother, who told them that they could find potable water by digging wells. So they dug. Except they couldn't find any water, not even after digging a dozen or so wells. With his men in a panic, Zhuge Liang took the next logical step. He prayed. Burning incense in the middle of the night, he said to heaven, Your unworthy servant has received the blessing of the mighty Han and has been tasked with pacifying the Nan Man. Right now my army lacks water. If it is heaven's will that the Han shall not end here, please bless us with a spring. If the Han has run its course, then your servant is willing to die here. Apparently, heaven was listening, and apparently heaven did not want Zhuge Liang to die there, because when he and his men woke up the next morning, all their wells were brimming with water. The troops drank their fill, and then proceeded along small trails, setting up camp in front of Bald Dragon Hollow, where Meng Huo was seeking refuge with his host, a local tribal king named Duosi. The Nanman scouts brought word of this to Meng Huo, telling him that the Shu soldiers appeared to be unaffected by the toxic air and poison springs. King Duosi refused to believe this. He and Meng Huo went out to a hilltop to take a closer look. But they saw that the Shu soldiers were indeed doing just fine as they were getting ready to make dinner. The sight of this made Duosi's hair stand on end as he turned to Meng Huo and said, These must be soldiers of heaven. My younger brother and I will fight to the death, Meng Huo said. We would rather die on the battlefield than surrender. If you lose, then my family will be lost as well, Duosi said. I will slaughter cows and horses for my men. We will shirk no danger and charge straight into the enemy camp, and victory will be ours. So they went back to the cave and prepared their pre-battle feast. But just as they were about to head out, word came that a neighboring tribal leader named Yang Feng had arrived with 30,000 men to join them. With his help, success will be mine for sure, Meng Huo said with delight so he and Duosi welcomed in their guest. Yang Feng told them, I have 30,000 crack troops. They are all clad in iron armor and can scale mountains. They are more than a match for a million Shu soldiers. I also have five sons who are all skilled warriors and are ready to assist you. Yang Feng then summoned his sons, who all possessed brawny tiger-like physiques, Meng Huo was delighted and threw a feast to welcome his new allies. Midway through the party, Yang Feng said, There is little entertainment to be had in the army. I have some Nanman women who travel with my troops. They are skilled in dancing with knives and shields. Let's have them provide some amusement. Meng Huo was like, Well, sure, why the heck not? So momentarily, a few dozen Nanman women all with bare feet and hair hanging down, pranced into the tent. All the men in the tent clapped and sang along, and everybody was having a grand old time. In the middle of this captivating performance, 
two of Yang Feng's sons got up to offer a toast to Meng Huo and his younger brother Meng You. The two of them accepted the wine and were just about to drink when suddenly Yang Feng let out a shout and his two sons quickly yanked Meng Huo and Meng You from their seats and apprehended them. Duo Si tried to run, but Yang Feng said not so fast and caught him as well. Meanwhile, the dancing women wielded their knives and shields and held down the place, and nobody dared to come forward to help their captured lords. So yeah, the next time one of your buddies tells you, hey, I got some hot girls who are really good at dancing with knives and shields, maybe just do yourself a favor and pass? If you learn anything from this novel, I hope it's that performances involving pointy objects rarely end well. As the saying goes, when the rabbit dies, the fox mourns, Meng Huo said to Yang Feng. Things commiserate with their own kind. You and I are both tribal leaders, and there's no bad blood between us. Why do you want to harm me? My brothers, sons, and nephews have all received the kindness of Zhuge Liang's mercy, Yang Feng said. We have no way to repay him. You are a rebel. So why shouldn't we capture you and offer you to him? With their leaders captured, all the Nanman soldiers in Bald Dragon Hollow scattered and fled back to their home villages. Meanwhile, Yang Feng brought his prisoners to see Zhuge Liang. And if you're keeping count, that would make this the fifth time Meng Huo had fallen into Zhuge Liang's hands, and the second time as a result of betrayal by his own people. Zhuge Liang summoned the latest round of defectors into his tent, and Yang Feng and company kneeled and said, Our clan is grateful for your excellency's kindness and virtue, so we captured Meng Huo, Meng You, and the rest for you. Zhuge Liang rewarded them and then had Meng Huo brought in. So here we go again. Now will you submit? Zhuge Liang asked with a smile. This was not your doing, it was my own people turning on each other that led to this, Meng Huo scoffed. If you want to kill me, then kill me, but I will not submit. You tried to lure me into an arid terrain and use the poison springs to kill me, and yet my army is fine. Is that not heaven's will? Why must you be so stubbornly misguided? My ancestral home is in the Silver Pit Hills, Meng Huo said. It has the defenses of three rivers and multiple passes. If you capture me there, then I and my descendants will submit with all our hearts. Oh dude, how many times are we going to do this? You're 0 for 5, give it up already! But Zhuge Liang apparently was in the mood for a little more amusement, because he once again accepted the challenge. I will let you go again, so that you may reorganize your forces and fight a decisive battle, Zhuge Liang said to Meng Huo. If you still refuse to submit when I capture you again, then I will exterminate your clan. Well, at least the rhetoric is getting a little tougher now. But at the end of the day, Zhuge Liang once again released Meng Huo, who bowed and left. Zhuge Liang also untied Meng You and Duo Si and offered them food and wine. The two of them were so frightened by his presence that they dared not look him in the eye. After the feast, Zhuge Liang gave them horses and sent them on their way. 
As for Yang Feng and his sons, they all got cushy government jobs for their contribution. Meng Huo and his gang headed back to Silver Pit Hollow that night. Now this cave lay at the intersection of three rivers. To the north of the cave was a fertile flat plain that stretched for a hundred miles. Salt wells were located about 70 miles due west. 70 miles to the southwest lay two of the rivers, and a hundred miles to the south is another cave called Liangdu Hollow. This cave is big enough to have hills inside it, and it's also surrounded by hills, and within these hills, there were silver ore, which gave this place the name Silver Pit Hills. Now, the novel doesn't stop at just a description of the geography of this area. It also goes into some detail about the culture of the people who lived here, just to show how exotic and strange these barbarians were. So within these hills were a number of nice buildings which serve as the residence of the Nanman king, or, as the novel so colorfully puts it, their nest. One of these buildings was the ancestral shrine, which was called the family spirit. Each season, the Nanman would slaughter cattle and horses as sacrifices in a ceremony called divining the spirits. And sometimes these sacrifices included not only cattle and horses, but also any riverlander or other foreigners who were unfortunate enough to be captured by the Nanman, which really puts a damper on the local tourist trade. When one of the Nanman people fell ill, instead of taking medicine, they would instead pray to a shaman named the Medicine Spirit. There were no criminal laws in this area, and anyone who committed an offense was executed immediately. When the women reached adulthood, they would bathe in a stream, and the sexes mingled freely and coupled without any objections from their parents. This practice, which was called learning the art, probably left many a sexually repressed Han Confucian aghast shortly before they were sacrificed to the local spirits. In the years when the rain was good, the people planted rice. And if the harvest did not ripen, they would turn to snake and elephant meat to get by. In every corner of this region, the top household was called the chief of the hollow, and the number two household was called the tribal elder. On the 1st and 15th of each month, market day was held in Three River Town, and goods were exchanged through barter. So after that little digression, let's get back to the matter at hand. Upon returning to his hollow, Meng Huo gathered up his clan of about a thousand and told them, I have been humiliated by the Shu forces, which I vow to avenge. What ideas do you all have? Before he was done speaking, someone spoke up and said, I can recommend someone who can defeat Zhuge Liang. So this was Meng Huo's brother-in-law, who was presently the leader of the eight outer tribes and the chief of Dailai Hollow. Meng Huo asked him whom he was referring to, and he said, King Mulu is the chief of Bana Hollow, which lies to the southwest. He is well-versed in black magic. He rides around on an elephant, can control the wind and rain, and is often accompanied by wild beasts and poisonous snakes and scorpions. He has 30,000 superb warriors who are extremely courageous. Your Highness should write a letter and prepare gifts, and I will personally go request his help. 
If he is willing to help us, what need have we to fear the Riverlanders? Meng Huo was delighted to learn of this potential ally, so he sent his brother-in-law to go seek help while assigning his former host, King Duosi, to hold down Three River Town as the first line of defense. Meanwhile, Zhuge Liang marched his army all the way to Three River Town. From a distance, he could see that the town bordered rivers on three sides, hence the name, with a land route on the fourth side. So he ordered the generals Wei Yan and Zhao Yun to lead a battalion and lay siege to the city via the land route. But when they tried to take the city, they were met by a hail of bolts and arrows. Turns out that these Nanman warriors were quite handy with the crossbow, and each crossbow fired ten bolts at once. And what's more, all the arrow tips were poisonous, so anyone who got hit was doomed to a horrible death where their flesh and skin would rot away until their organs were exposed, and then they died. So basically, the same horrible death you would get if you drank the local water. Unable to take the city, Zhao Yun and Wei Yan returned to camp and informed Zhuge Liang. Zhuge Liang got in his carriage and went to the front lines to take a look. Upon returning to camp, he ordered his army to fall back a few miles. Now the sight of the Shu forces retreating delighted the Nanman soldiers, and they just assumed that the enemy was running away out of fright, so they did not even bother putting out sentries at night, which seems like a rather foolish thing to do. After his army had fallen back, Zhuge Liang ordered his men to stay in their camp for five straight days, during which he gave no orders at all. But then, on the dusk of the fifth day, a light breeze started to blow, and suddenly, Zhuge Liang sent out the word, Every man is to prepare one piece of garment in two hours' time. Anyone who does not have a piece of garment ready to go by the end of two hours would lose his head. So, okay? Zhuge Liang's men weren't really sure what he was playing, but who were they to question him? You wanted garments? You got them. By 7pm, everybody was ready with their garment, and Zhuge Liang now gave the next order. Take your garment and wrap up a bundle of dirt, or lose your head. Alright, still don't see where you're going with this, but that sounds easy enough. So everybody got their bundles of dirt. Now came another order. Bring your bundle of dirt to the foot of Three River Town. The first to arrive will be rewarded. So everybody dashed to the foot of the city. And now, Zhuge Liang told them to put their dirt bundles in piles and use the piles as steps to scale the city walls. Whoever made it to the top first would be rewarded. Now, if you only had, say, a few hundred or a few thousand men, or even maybe ten thousand men, you probably would not make it a few feet off the ground. But Zhuge Liang had at his disposal more than a hundred thousand men, and a hundred thousand bundles piled on top of each other apparently were plenty enough to reach the top. The Shu forces stormed the city walls, catching the Nanman forces with their pants down. Before the guards could fire their crossbows, most of them had already been apprehended, and the rest abandoned the city and fled. Their commander, King Duosi, was killed in the melee. And just like that, Three River Town belonged to Zhuge Liang, 
he distributed all the riches within the city to his men as a reward. The remnants of the Nan Man forces ran back to Silver Pit Hollow to tell Meng Huo that his first line of defense was no more, and King Duosi was dead as well. Meng Huo was stunned, but before he had time to digest this news, word arrived that the enemy had already crossed the river and were now setting up camp in front of his cave. While Meng Huo was panicking, someone walked out from behind a screen and laughed at him. So witless, and yet you call yourself a man? I may be a woman, but I am willing to go out and fight for you. This was Meng Huo's wife, Lady Zhu Rong. Her family has resided in the Nanman region for generations and claimed to be descendants of the Chinese god of fire. She was skilled in throwing knives and never missed. Meng Huo now rose and expressed his gratitude for his wife's offer to bail him out. And she immediately mounted her horse, rounded up a few hundred fierce warriors from her own clan, along with 50,000 strong soldiers, and went out to take on the enemy. As soon as Lady Zhu Rong exited the cave entrance, she found her way blocked by an enemy squadron, led by the general Zhang Yi. The two sides lined up, and Lady Zhu Rong rode out on a curly-maned red hair horse, wearing five throwing knives on her back and wielding a long spear. What is this, a woman warrior? Zhang Yi was secretly astounded by this shocking sight. Soon, he and Lady Zhu Rong were trading blows, and after a few bouts, Lady Zhu Rong turned and ran, and Zhang Yi gave chase. Hey man, did you ever stop to wonder what those short knives on her back were for? No? Well, you are about to find out. Suddenly, Lady Zhu Rong turned and flinged the knife at Zhang Yi. Caught off guard, Zhang Yi instinctively raised his hand to try to block it. The knife lodged itself in his left arm, sending him tumbling off his horse. The Nan Man soldiers let out a battle cry and surged forward to tie him up. Another Shu general, Ma Zhong, heard about his comrade's fate and rushed out to save him, but he was way too late as Zhang Yi had already been seized by the Nan Man. Seeing Lady Zhu Rong sitting atop her horse in the distance, an angry Ma Zhong charged, but he stumbled right into a trap. The Nan Man soldiers used a rope to trip up his horse, and Ma Zhong went flying to the ground, at which point he too was captured alive. Victorious, Lady Zhu Rong returned to the cave with her two prisoners. Meng Huo was thrilled and threw a feast to celebrate. After all, this was the first time since this war began that he actually won something. Lady Zhu Rong ordered the executioners to behead the two prisoners, but Meng Huo stopped them. Zhuge Liang spared me five times, so it would be dishonorable of me to execute his generals, Meng Huo said. Lock them up in the cave for now. We can kill them after we have captured Zhuge Liang. His wife said fine, whatever, and then they got back to celebrating. While the Nan Man were partying, Zhuge Liang had gotten word of this setback. He immediately summoned three generals, Ma Dai, Zhao Yun, and Wei Yan, and gave them each instructions. The next day, the Nan Man scouts reported to Meng Huo that Zhao Yun was outside challenging for combat. Lady Zhu Rong promptly went out to answer the call. After they traded a few blows, Zhao Yun turned and fled. 
Now, Lady Zhurong was not dumb. She figured this might be a trick, so she did not give chase. The next day, Zhao Yun returned the challenge again, so Lady Zhurong went out again. They fought again, and after a few bouts, Zhao Yun once again turned and fled. And once again, Lady Zhurong refused to give chase. But, as she was just about to go back to the cave, she was showered with a barrage of insults and curses from a squad of enemy soldiers led by Wei Yan. So she started to ride toward Wei Yan, but Wei Yan quickly turned and fled, and this time, Lady Zhurong gave chase. And you can probably guess how this is going to turn out. Wei Yan galloped down a narrow mountain path. Suddenly, he heard a loud cry behind him, and by the time he turned around, Lady Zhurong had already fallen off her horse. She had fallen into a trap by Ma Dai, who tripped up her horse with a rope and captured her. When the Nanman soldiers tried to come rescue their queen, Zhao Yun charged out and sent them scurrying instead. When Ma Dai brought Lady Zhurong back to camp, Zhuge Liang immediately had her untied, set her up in her own tent, and wined her and dined her. You know, the typical playbook for winning hearts and minds. Zhuge Liang then sent a message to Meng Huo, offering to return his wife in exchange for the two captured officers. So there was no way Meng Huo was going to refuse this offer, so he released Zhang Yi and Ma Zhong, and Zhuge Liang returned Lady Zhu Rong. When he got his wife back, Meng Huo was equal parts happy and enraged, but then he got a bit of good news. King Mu Lu, the chief of Ba Na Hollow, had arrived. Meng Huo went out to greet him and saw him seated atop a white elephant. His clothes were lined with gold and pearls. He wore two large knives around his waist and had with him a gang of men who kept a pack of ferocious tigers, panthers, jackals, and wolves. Hey, the circus is in town. Meng Huo welcomed in his guests and then prostrated and recounted his woes. King Mu Lu vowed to help him seek revenge, and Meng Huo threw a welcome party for him. The next day, Mu Lu led his own men and beasts out to the front lines, where he was met by an army led by Zhao Yun and Wei Yan. As they looked across the way, Zhao Yun and Wei Yan saw that the enemy wielded strange banners and weapons. Few of their soldiers wore any clothes, much less armor. These naked warriors had crude and ugly faces. Each carried four daggers. Their army did not use drums or horns for signal, but rather gongs. King Mulu wore two knives around his waist, carried a bell in his hand, and sat atop his white elephant as he rode out from under the main banner. We have spent our whole lives on the battlefield and have yet to see such a sight, Zhao Yun said to Wei Yan. Just as the two of them were talking to each other, Mu Lu started uttering a strange incantation and shook his bell. A violent gale immediately kicked up, sweeping up rocks and pebbles and sending them down like rain. With a braying sound, a pack of wild beasts charged out with fangs and claws bare. The Shu soldiers were not used to this sight and could not stand their ground. As they fell back, the Nanman forces gave chase and pursued them all the way back to the borders of Three River Town before calling it a day. After regrouping their forces, Zhao Yun and Wei Yan went to see Zhuge Liang and asked to be punished for their defeat. 
this was not your fault, Zhuge Liang said with a smile. Even before I had left my thatched hut, I had heard that the Nan Man could control the wild animals. I prepared a way to defeat them when I was in the riverlands. There are twenty carts in our baggage train. They have remained sealed thus far. Let's use half of them now and save the other half for another day. So he ordered his men to bring the ten red carts to his tent, leaving the ten black carts untouched. As usual, nobody had any idea what he was up to. Zhuge Liang ordered the red carts to be opened, and inside were enormous beasts carved from colored wood, with coats of fur made from multicolored yarn and steel claws and teeth. Each of these creatures were large enough to hold ten people. Zhuge Liang now selected about a thousand crack troops and gave them a hundred of these wooden creatures. Inside the mouth of these creatures, they loaded fire-starting material, and then they hid the creatures within the ranks of the army. The next day, Zhuge Liang marched his forces to the entrance of the cave. When word of this reached Meng Huo, King Mu Lu was like, I've got this. So he and Meng Huo went out to face the challenge. They saw Zhuge Liang wearing a headband, clad in a Taoist robe, holding a feather fan, and seated in his carriage. The person in that carriage is Zhuge Liang, Meng Huo said as he pointed. If we catch him, then victory is ours. So Mu Lu started chanting his incantation and shaking his bell, and just like the day before, a violent gale started to whip up, and the pack of wild animals charged out again. But this time, they had a surprise waiting for them. Zhuge Liang waved his feather fan, and like magic, the violent gale changed directions and blew back into the Nan Man's own lines. At the same moment, the Shu forces rolled out their giant fake animals, Fire was shooting out their mouths, smoke was streaming from their nostrils, bronze bells dangled from their bodies, and they were showing some scary-looking claws and teeth. When the real animals saw this, they were like, yeah, thanks but no thanks, and instead of charging, they turned tail and ran back into the cave, taking out a bunch of Nan Man soldiers on their way. Zhuge Liang now sent his troops crashing into the Nan Man forces, setting them to flight. King Mu Lu was killed in the melee, and all of Meng Huo's clansmen abandoned their palace inside Silver Pit Hollow and fled over the hills. Just like that, Meng Huo's home base belonged to Zhuge Liang. The next day, Zhuge Liang was just about to deploy his troops to go capture Meng Huo, when word suddenly arrived that Meng Huo's brother-in-law, Chief Dailai, had tried to convince Meng Huo to surrender, but Meng Huo refused. So Dailai apparently captured Meng Huo, Lady Zhu Rong, and a few hundred of their clansmen, and now he had brought all those prisoners to Zhuge Liang's camp as a present. When he heard this, Zhuge Liang summoned the officers Zhang Yi and Ma Zhong and whispered a few words to them. The two then led 2,000 crack troops and lay in waiting. Zhuge Liang then told the guards to let Chief Dailai in. Dailai entered with several hundred prisoners and prostrated on the ground. Seize them! Zhuge Liang shouted. At that, the soldiers lying in wait sprang out and easily captured all the visitors. How can you fool me with this pitiful little scheme? 
Zhuge Liang said with a laugh. The previous two times when your own men betrayed you into my hands, I did not harm you. So you thought I would fall for this trick so that you can kill me in your own cave. Zhuge Liang told the guards to search the prisoners, and sure enough, all of them had sharp daggers hidden on them. You said that if I capture you in your home base, you would submit. So what now? Zhuge Liang asked Meng Huo. To see what excuse Meng Huo comes up with this time, tune in to the next episode of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms podcast. Thanks for listening.